A warm galactic welcome to listeners of all species to this, the 267th episode of the Nurse Travaganza podcast, where you don't have to be faster than light to keep up. I'm Tom, and I'm joined by my crewmen, Brian and Cam, as usual. What's up, guys? How's it going? It's going very well. Very well indeed, because we have made it to 267. Really close to 300, guys. I don't know. It's like... To be what, like middle of, middle of next year? Eh, yeah, it's probably not as close as I, as I reckon. <laughs> <laughs> that may be because I'm not future-minded enough, but uh, after tonight's show, I likely will be because tonight's topic is actually a television show based on a version of the future. Uh, a show we've mentioned a couple times and enjoy so much that we decided to do an episode on it. Uh, that being The Orville by Seth MacFarlane, his latest offering, which I'm not sure you could classify as a comedy, but we'll get into that in tonight's show. Should be fun. First, though, we need to do a slingshot maneuver around the sun, which will inexplicably <laughs> take us back in time such that we can live again all of the fun things going on in our nerdy lives and report them live during our weekly geekly Geekly Weekly Update. And Cam, why don't you go first? What have you been up to, man? I haven't done a lot. Um, I Well, not nothing fun, anyway. I've just been doing a lot of work, getting ready for Essen, the Essen Spiel, which is the big German board game convention uh, this coming weekend. Uh, I will be there uh, starting on Monday. And uh, so that's exciting. So I've been doing a lot of work for that, so I guess that's a little geeky. Um, then I'm going to stay another week or so, and... Just sort of putz around in Amsterdam, Rotterdam, and uh, down to Paris for a, a week afterwards. Um, so that should be nice. Uh, and uh, so I'm looking forward to that. Looking forward to the game convention. Um, I've uh, been getting ready for my bachelor party also, which is this this coming weekend, which is going to be cool. Nice. Be doing an all-day RPG event uh, with uh, podcast buddy uh, Chris, Chris running it. Uh, on Saturday, so that'll be awesome. And then, um, yeah, other than that, the only, I guess, geeky, nerdy thing uh, is that I, I, I watched The uh, Handmaid's Tale uh, on Hulu. Oh, have you? Have, yeah, have, how was that? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's awesome. I mean, I see why it won all the, uh, the, uh, the Emmys, it, like swept the Emmys for, like, you know, uh, for the series on TV. But, um, yeah, it was really good. You know, it's funny because, and I definitely want to bring it up when we talk about the Orville later. Um, but it's funny that The Handmaid's Tale is classified as a sci-fi. Really? Because yeah. it's like in the future. Because it, yeah, it's like a dystopian future, I guess. But there's really no sci-fi elements to it. It's just you know, if like really crazy people overthrew the government and took over, you know, which isn't far from you know the realm of possibilities, unfortunately. So. So yeah, it was really, really thought-provoking, really interesting. Um, the book obviously was, and uh, the first uh, season of the series is, is really good. Um, I would recommend it to anyone who has Hulu. Uh, it's, 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 it's pretty awesome. Um, the, yeah, great acting, uh, great interpretation of the book, really, really like thought-provoking ideas. Like, uh, very timely, I would say. Whoever decided to make this, uh, you know, bring this out was, was definitely uh, – thinking sort of politically and you know, what's going on. Or <laughs> kind of resonates a little. Yeah, absolutely. So it was pretty good. It was really good. I, I would suggest that. And um, yeah, that's about it. What about you, Brian? What have you been up to? I haven't actually been doing much, but I, I've kind of been dreaming a lot. 
I uh, I've been playing my Raspberry Pi and all these old games that I used to love, and I stumble on the Wizardry series, which I'm betting Tom will remember. I do remember, actually. Yes, I, I. It's hard to describe unless you lived through like that age. Once upon a time, role playing games for like the computer, the Nintendo, even the Super Nintendo, were text spacers, and they just hold up like a little puppet. You're fighting this, and they'd show you a picture, and it wouldn't move, and it was zero animation, and you you had to pretty much either map out or memorize the the hex based map because there there was no overworld there was no avatar there was no walking around there was nothing um so i i love that i mean that was like when i was coming up and i don't know i haven't done it in years but it's still just as appealing to me as it ever was so i have been looking at uh it's a series called etrian odyssey and oh, yes. I, I, it it makes sense that it is only for 3DS, but I really wish it were not only for 3DS. It is for the 3DS, and you use the stylus and the bottom uh, screen to actually draw your little maps. And they have, like, you can just drag, you know, this is a door, this is an NPC, this is a quest giver, like, icons onto the, onto the screen. But it so perfectly captures that nostalgia for me and as luck would have it there there's a brand new wow etrian odyssey i think it actually came out this week or last week or next week it comes out very soon so it has been a giant temptation to me while i uh click through uh proving grounds of the mad overlord on a 40 year old system Brian, that's funny, man. I, I mean, I remember I would come over and you would have like graph paper and like pads of it that you would consume just like mapping out these dungeons so meticulously. I think there's 32 floors in this game. Oh my gosh. And yeah, every single one is is a sheet of hex paper. Wait, so you're playing Overlord? Say that again? Proving Grounds of the Mad Overlord? I think it was four, three or four. Okay. Wizardry, three or four. Cool, man. It's good to... Uh, no, you're keeping it old school, old school Brian anyway, right? Yeah, yeah. Very. I, I, they're they're <laughs> an acquired taste, man. I, I have no problem admitting that. But there's almost on par with like MMOs. There's just no better way for me to like lose evening. Just like, oh, wow, it's eight hours later. Holy shit. Like that real sense of exploration and mapping, yeah. right? That's cool. Awesome, man. <laughs> Makes me want to come over and play something else while I look over my shoulder and wonder right. if you play that. Just like the old days. <laughs> Just have two yeah. systems set up. Yeah, it's pretty, that's pretty much how it went. I, I play far less hardcore stuff as you mapped your way through those, as I recall. I don't know that I'd call it hardcore. Like the, the worst thing about that game was there, there's like no save feature. Like, there's no second chances. Like, <laughs> if you get wiped out, your party's dead and the corpses are in the dungeon and you have to make a second party to go get them. Oh, God. Wow. Yeah, it's it's pretty out there. Do they screw you? Like, do you walk around the corner as, like, a low-level character and suddenly there's a dragon or do they? Do you kind of have to get yourself into these messes? The monsters live on a floor, so there's no way you can encounter a, uh, a dragon. But you probably could encounter like you know five or something like 
I, I can't remember what was on the, the first floor, leaping lizards or something like that. Something almost cute sounding. So, you know, you can fight one leaping lizard, but if there's five of them, you're probably in trouble. Cool. Well, good to know the game doesn't, uh, you know, just unfairly screw you over like <laughs> Final Fantasy kind of did to us when we were playing for uh, 15. Oh, yeah, 15. No level 80 samurai ghost. <laughs> right. Who I finally beat, by the way. Did I mention that to you? No. Yeah, I finally, like, I've been doing all the side quests and power leveling, and I just went and, like, mopped the floor with him. So was he a thing, or was that just, like, a totally random encounter? That particular dungeon, the Bellevue Mines, he is, like, a thing. Like, he's meant to, like, knock you, like, off the uh, gangplank, and then you encounter him. He is, like, the villain of the dungeon. And after that, if you go to the very lowest level of the dungeon at, like, level 10 or whatever, he will just, like, destroy you. <laughs> so it's a level 10 dungeon and a level 80 monster shows up and knocks you into the deepest parts of the dungeon. Well, yeah, well, well into a deeper part, but you you would have, you do have to go out of your way to encounter him. But when you encounter him, he will just wreck you. Yeah. And uh, the only way to beat him is to level up and come back or uh, people have chip damaged him with pistols from like, just let the rest of the party die, get up where he can't get you using, uh, you know, the geography, the topography of the screen and just shoot him to death. Huh. <laughs> that sounds like a fun game. <laughs> that was, uh, yeah. So I like just like traipsed through that dungeon unchallenged and like fought the one creature in there that posed a challenge to me when I went back. So strange, uh, strange design. Just for shits or was there like a point to him? Um, there was a quest for like, you know, when we, when you go in that mine, there's a quest for like, you know, go to, you know, defeat the monster within and the monster within is that samurai that kicks the shit out of you. So. Yeah, I went through and just destroyed him. Felt good. Felt really good. <laughs> uh, anything else, man? No, man. All you know. All right. Then it is over to me. And I... Jeez, what am I doing? I've been playing... I have been playing some more Final Fantasy XV. And I have been playing... Uh, a little more Dragon Quest... Oh... I think it was seven uh, for the 3DS, that remake they did for the 3DS. So I've been splitting my time between those. And apart from that, um, I've been watching South Park. I'm not sure. I mean, I guess this kind of fits within Geeky. <laughs> Sometimes I wonder if our if our hobbies really qualify for our own updates. But uh, again, they're kind of hitting it out of the park this season. Um, just kind of really giving the business to kind of victim culture and that kind of thing. Like uh, there's a, there's a faux advertisement uh, during the show for a service that lets you, well, look, I even had the service done, right? It's a DNA analysis service. And uh, somebody's like, and all these like white people are like, I'm 2% Cherokee. Like I'm 7%, you know, Arab and all this kind of stuff. And then it just, it basically um, regresses into I'm 17% victim. Like basically all these people are gaining some kind of a moral high ground from having, you know, non-white blood or what have you. But they've been really addressing that. They've been really addressing the whole, like this weird Nazi thing going on. They kind of mock those guys. It, it's been another really smart season of that show. So definitely recommend it. And by all accounts, to put a more geeky spin on it, the latest video game is supposed to be really good. The fra Fractured Butthole. So South Park, check it out. Play the game. And I think apart from keeping up with the Orbil and kind of looking for something new to watch with my lady, 
think that's pretty much it. Just my usual, you know, some games and shows, that kind of thing. And unless you guys have thought of anything else you missed, I think that is it for our updates, which means it is time for us to transition to updates of the world, also known as the news extravaganza. Yeah, I got a few news stories for you guys today. Um, start with the sad news. Um, if uh, you were uh, a, if you're an audiobook person like me, um, I, well, I wouldn't say I'm an audiobook person. I just prefer them now, just based on my lifestyle, because uh, I need, I just have those going on while I'm doing a bunch of other stuff. But uh, um, you probably have listened to the Game of Thrones books or Song of Ice and Fire books. Uh, narrated by Roy Dotrys. I think they've been narrated by several people, but uh, he was, I guess, by far the hands-down consensus winner as the the voice behind the Song of Ice and Fire. And um, he has unfortunately passed away. And so Game of Thrones fans all around the world are sad about that. Um, but I think they're more sad that they're just... I think it's just reminding them that uh, these guys are getting old and they want... Uh, Martin to finish this damn thing already. Yeah. Uh, there will never be as good an audio version of any of those books now. Like he, I think it was all him and maybe one other person for one of the books. I guess he wasn't available. You're going to be lucky to get the books. <laughs> That's true. We should just be grateful for what we get at this point. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, sadly we will not get a good audio book in 2025. Well, we'll see what happens. Hopefully, uh, you know, hopefully uh, Martin will type 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 and get that thing you know get that stuff done mm. um let's see uh funko do you guys have any of those funko little pop figurines yes do you uh what about you brian you have any no of those? I, I i just have a thing man like i i am like such a collector i can't stand to have impartial collections so i've, I've oh, just so you know. <laughs> avoided them i i like them i would collect some but no way smart See, I've gotten to the point where I'm okay not having a complete collection as long as I have, like, the best of the collections. You know what I mean? So, like, I'm okay if there's, like, 100 in the set. As long as I have the most five rare, I'm okay with that. <laughs> you know? Like, I don't, I don't know. I guess it's, it's – so, I guess I'm getting better maybe? I, I don't mm. know. Um Let's. I don't know. Uh, I guess my my, my uh, that's my argument to my uh, to my. You're, you're becoming a better investor in in yeah. Chuskies, let's say that. Okay. <laughs> well, my, yeah. My, my, well, my, yeah. That, that's my argument with my with my companion. It's like, well, I'm not buying twenty of them. I'm just buying the best three. <laughs> and uh, I don't know. Um, anyway, um, they are doing an IPO. For those of you that are not uh, business or math or whatever savvy, that's initial public offering which is where they go from a private company to a public company by uh, getting listed on a, an exchange like the New York Stock Exchange or the NASDAQ, and they offer their, sh- uh, their shares for sale to the public. Typically, this is done to grow the business so that they can go from a, you know, not a mom and pop, but, you know, a, a successful private business to a, you know, multinational big conglomerate. And um, so you can now buy shares in Funko if you want. Um, I don't know. I guess that would probably be a better investment since we're speaking of investments than buying the actual figures. <laughs> uh, uh, well, I mean, depending on what you think about their, uh, you know, their, their long-term, uh, I guess, long-term viability as a company. Um, 
but their their stock ticker symbol is going to be FNKO Funko, which is pretty cool. Um, and they are going to be uh, you know they're going to be offering their shares, and you can so you can buy buy a piece of the magic, as they say. Yes, yes, indeed. So I don't know, Tom. Are you, you thinking about buying some stock or what? Um, thinking about not investing in the figures, at least. Uh, I, yeah. I suspect the value will be uh, diminished as their new uh, shareholders put pressure on them to mass produce them. Right? They kind of do anyway. Yeah. How do they? So are, do they do the thing where like it's okay? We're making you know all of these are are you know we're, there's like generics and then there's like rares and there's like do they do that? Like I, I I've never even really like bought one. So I think they do like purchased exclusives like target can sponsor a model for you know gotcha and then they only make like a certain amount, amount or whatever yeah gotcha gotcha because that's all it's always what it is only at gamestop only at walmart only at amazon that's the only way to get them is to just you know go everywhere yeah because i know a lot of these you know game not game companies but like toy companies they do a lot of these like blind boxes and things like that and it's like you know there are these mythic rares that you can find just sort of like like magic, you know, magic cards where one out of every like thousand is, you know, you're only, you're only going to find one out of every thousand produced or whatever. Um, but that's what sucks about the blind box is that, you know, you got to keep buying them until you find one, unless you want to buy it like on the secondary market. You know what I mean? Um, well, that's how people get the rare Funko anyway. So, yeah. Well, yeah. So that's, uh, so that the, I mean, you can, I guess now at least you can order or you can sort of have some sort of predictability. I mean, the stock isn't really rare. You can, you can just order as much stock as you want. <laughs> that's true. I, I'm going to order all the stock. I'm yeah. going to get the rare shares. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> so that'll be cool. Um, let's see Apple. I'll just round it out with a little Apple news. Um, so Apple's, uh, self-driving cars have a new, uh, signal array which will help with their, uh, I guess, with, with their, you know, detection and their use and not running into other people and getting into accidents and killing people on the highway. Um, I guess a, a, a one of their self-driving cars was spotted in Silicon Valley, just sort of dri- tooling around. And uh, it's got all these really cool white plastic covered sensors on the top of the car's roof rack. Um, but it like, if you, if you look at the picture online, it looks like sort of like, I don't know if you see someone like it's it's like almost like someone put like one of those like camping things on the top of their car. It's got all <laughs> right, these like crazy right. sensors, you know. I, I can't imagine that's very practical. You know, I, I would hope that by the time like self-driving cars are mainstream, that would be sort of whittled down to something that's not as annoying as a big like you know configuration <laughs> on your roof. Pod. Yeah. Are are they? building their own car or are they creating technology to be implemented in other people's cars? I think they are using other people's cars and then just like retrofitting them. You know what I'm saying? If they made an Apple car, people would pay a fortune for it. Oh, for sure. For sure. Um, but you know, they, they do, they, they do in the article have sort of a side by side of like the old array and it is, it seems a lot, it's still like streamlined compared to the old array. You know what I mean? So I guess they're making progress in that area. The old one just looked like they just mounted like a gun turret on top <laughs> of the car. You know what I mean? I, this I, one at least I, is a little more streamlined and lower to the ground. You would buy the one with the gun turret, Brian? That sounds awesome. Actually, I would buy the one with like the sensor array too. Just give me a coning tower and I'm happy. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so 
So look for the Apple cars and the Google cars and all the other self-driving cars in your area. I mean, I'm excited for it. I really want to get, um, I'm going to be doing a refurbishment of my house, uh, here in the next, uh, few months. And, uh, I'm probably going to go solar. Oh, nice. Yeah. And so I'm going to get, um, I'm going to get a Tesla Powerwall. Do you guys know what those are? Yes, I do. Get it, please, Cam. I'll come over all the time. <laughs> so I'm get, yeah. So I'm going to get a Tesla Powerwall, not because, well, I do want to get a Tesla. Um, so that would make that much better, but also because I don't know if you guys know, but here in Florida, even if you get solar, if you do not, basically, if you don't have a Powerwall or a self-contained sort of battery yourself, like yourself in your house, you cannot use, you cannot run, you can't basically run your house on solar if the power grid goes down. Correct. Yep. So that is crappy. One of those. And so even if I don't have a Tesla, um, I'm still probably going to get the power wall. Yeah. Um, Cause then you can store up your own power and use it when FPL's out. Yeah. So, yeah. So, and, uh, so I'm, I'm definitely going to get a power wall so that when, uh, the next hurricane hits, uh, I'll have my power and then, uh, you know, I can laugh at all the other fools out there with their generators, and I'm just uh, using the blessing of the sun to power my DVD player and my Xbox and that's all right. Of stuff. Um, but my dad did make a good point that um, he's like, "Yeah, well, what the hell are you going to do when all the panels get blown away by the by the hurricane, idiot?" <laughs> I was like, "Well, <laughs> oh. that didn't figure into my plan." But uh, well, Cam, if you want to go big, if you want to do it big, as they say, you know, you can also get the Tesla roof made of these like shingles. Right, uh-huh. right, but but the shingles come off too, though. It's not like you know well, if your roof yeah. goes in, in a hurricane, you're you know that's it. You're a, a percentage of oh oh yeah, if the whole roof goes, you're done. <laughs> but yeah. I don't think your, your Xbox is your problem, man. I think you're yeah. <laughs> you're in trouble. Yeah, um, yeah. It's funny. I, I was actually researching that, and like they did tests at FIU, which is one of the colleges down here, um, and they hit those panels. Like they put the regular like just big panels on a house, and they hit it with like 122 mile an hour winds. And they held up pretty well. I mean, they didn't go anywhere. Nice. So, and I, I guess they have like data from um, Hurricane Sandy, Superstorm Sandy, Sandy from a couple of years ago. Um, and they said that they pretty much most of most of the houses up there, even though they got damaged by a bunch of other stuff, the the, the panels held up. Nice, man. Do it, do it, do it big, man. Just just go all Tesla, and then get the Tesla car. Oh, I got a wife now, so well, I will have a wife, so that might be. Uh, we'll, we'll see how that goes. It's Teslas are nice, man. She'll like it. She'll be into it. <laughs> one hopes. Yeah, one one hopes. One can dream, right? Indeed. And I think that's about it for the news. So, Tom, why don't you take it back over and uh, fly us into our topic, as it were? Well, don't mind if I do. All right. The news thus concluded. Let's get on with things, and let's get on with tonight's main topic that of course being the orville a show we have mentioned i think on the past two or three episodes as something we have been enjoying immensely and that i think we have had a difficult time and probably should start off by classifying so let's start with that guys i'll I'll ask a question (laughs) just to sort of kick the conversation off here. Is it a science fiction show with comedy elements, uh, a comedy show with a science fiction theme? And was it meant to be one or the other when they either went to Seth MacFarlane to make it or when he pitched it? Well, 
I'll, I'll use the the latest episode to air as as probably a good example of that. How many lives were at stake? Was the latest one the colony almost getting destroyed? Yeah, it was hundreds of thousands on that colony that the hundreds of thousands of you know like wiped out in a horrible war. So I'm not really sure they're aiming comedy. <laughs> I know they tell shitty jokes in the middle of it, but I it just nothing about it feels like a comedy to me. But do, don't you think when they when Seth MacFarlane's name came up, I, I don't know what the process was when they either tapped him for it or when he brought it to them. Don't you think their first instinct was, oh yeah, this guy's this it's going to be a yucca minute here. This is going to be a lighthearted comedy. I, I might be jumping ahead, but the. Um ratings indicate that that's what everyone expected ah and it's uh, yeah okay (laughs) point taken so people were expecting one thing and got quite another whether do you think mcfarland like kind of hoodwinked them or do you think like he was just like telling them the whole time i'm not making a comedy not making a comedy not making a comedy and they just refused to believe it So, so everybody always says like you have to have an elevator pitch in Hollywood, right? Yeah. The elevator pitch was probably Star Trek Next Generation meets um, Galaxy Quest. Oh, okay. And all of the people assumed like, oh, Galaxy Quest was really funny. Okay, he'll, you know, all about that. And what he meant was like 90% TNG. <laughs> right. He didn't, uh, he didn't specify <laughs> the mixture, right? Well, I don't, I mean, they probably didn't ask, you know, I mean, I don't think he's like misleading anybody, but I just, I, I don't, I don't think things lined up. Like there's, there's no way I see him pitching this like, Hey, I know I've always done comedy, but I really sci-fi is my passion and I want to go into it. It's going to be serious sci-fi with real, you know, philosophical questions about who we are and why we're here. And I'm going to tell a couple of dick jokes and call it quits. <laughs> Yeah, I can't see that pitch going over very well. It's it's really weird. I mean, like, it's it's just got like no identity. You know what I mean? It's just I mean, or maybe it's like a new identity. Hey, maybe he's like a visionary, and this is like what the new, you know, new norm is for TV or whatever. But like, yeah, it's it's just funny. It's like you're sort of watching it, and and there's definitely like solid elements yeah. of, I guess, sci-fi drama. You know, um, and then there's just these like. <laughs> family guy joke sort of thrown in there, you know, like just like just yeah, sprinkled I'm, in on top. I'm inclined to want to believe it is just a show trying to find itself and, and that it will. Uh, I, I, I enjoy it for what it is. Like I get sucked into the story in the episodes, like the actual serious sci-fi and, and the, the occasional joke that comes up, I laugh at like to me, to me, the blend, whether you want to call it 90, 10, 80, 20, is just fine. Like the the occasional jokes that pop up, I do find myself giggling at, but it's not like a gag a minute kind of family guy scenario. And I'm I'm actually pretty okay with this, whatever it was, compromise mix hoodwinking that that he's put out there. What do you do you guys like the blend, or would you like would you like to see the dick jokes just dispensed with altogether? I, I'm just completely stodgy. I hate dick jokes, but it's only a few characters that do it. So it's, it's much easier for me just to not like a character 
than it is to not like, you know, the atmosphere of the show. Like, I don't like the pilot, plain and simple. He always, he's always the one with the dick jokes. So I just like, I don't like that guy, but the rest of the show is good. So there's a character you actively dislike, Brian, but that you, that nevertheless does not spoil the show for you. He's Neelix. <laughs> oh yeah. I hated Neelix actually. But you like the show, right? Yeah. Yeah. The show was fine. Any objectionable characters for you, Cam? Um, I mean, I, I don't even, I, it's not that I don't like any of them. I, I think they all actually work together, but they would all work together in like a funny show, you know, like in a, in a comedy then they, but they have, they try to do like, like you've got like that, I forget what his name is, but the Bort, Bort or something, Bortus, the, the Klingon kind of guy. Yeah. He's like Worf, you know, sort of. Yep. And then like, you got the young girl that's like the super strong one or whatever. And she's sort of like a, what was it? Cardassian, not a Cardassian. Uh, what are those guys that, that fought against the Cardassians or that were like oppressed by the Cardassians? Oh, the Bajorans? Bajoran. Yeah. She's the sort of like a Bajoran a little bit. And like, they're all okay. Like, I don't really have an issue with any of them. Um, it's just like, I don't know when I was watching it, I just sort of thought like, okay, if you really love sci-fi, you're going to get really annoyed by these dumb dick jokes. If you really <laughs> like South Park or not South Park, if you really like family guy and you like the dick jokes, you're going to get annoyed by all the sci-fi. It's sort of like, if you really like ice cream and then someone puts like a topping on it that you hate, or you really like the topping, but you hate ice cream. Yeah. You it's not going to work. They're, they're like mashing it. To, yeah. They're mashing it together and it's just not whatever. I mean, and then it's weird. They've got like these just weird cameos. Like Liam Neeson just shows up out of nowhere. Um, what's her name? Uh, the, the, the woman, um, gorgeous woman, the, uh, Oh, actress, uh, Charlie Theron. Um, uh, Theron. Yeah. Charlize Theron just comes out of nowhere. Like it's like, it's it's just it's just weird, man. It's just just oh, there's Liam Neeson. Oh, there's Charlize Theron, and they they it's sprinkled also with like other like sort of big name actors or not big name, but like people that are very like recognizable. Yeah, you know. And uh, I don't know, man. It's it's I, I didn't not like it. I I I guess it was entertaining, but it wasn't something that I was like, whoa, this is awesome, man. Yeah, huh. I I have a this is kind of awesome reaction to it. I really do like the show, and. I think it speaks to McFarlane's like uh, clout that he can one, get all those cameos from big name stars and two, even get this thing on the air. <laughs> like after they, after they saw the show, the, the, you know, his vision for it. I, I really, I really think he sort of lured them in with like the dick joke heavy, like initial episode. And then like the comedy, I don't know if you guys have noticed this, but at least it's my perception. The comedy has been toned down and made a little more clever and a little less toilet and dick based um, as the series has progressed. I, have you guys noticed that or would you agree with me? Yeah, I think, yeah, absolutely. Like as it went on, it just seemed like they were tackling more and more like, I guess, serious topics, I guess, you know? Like when they did the thing with like the the little girl getting transformed to the to the, the sex change, the yeah, 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 the sex change episode, and then like the one with like freeing these people who are like oppressed by the idea of some like deity that was made up, you know, thousands of years before, obviously, like hitting on religion or whatever, yeah. you know. Um, I, I feel like they're just like pushing it to be this like, which by the way, let's talk about the fact that. Every one of these episodes is like a next generation yes. episode sort of yes, ripped yes. off, right? 
that was my companion's uh, reaction to to the show. Like she really is enjoying it. She's like, geez, it sure is a lot like Next Generation. My my defense is, well, it's a send up. I mean, it's a it's a spoof on it, but then it's it's not really a spoof. It, it's kind of yeah, very strongly based on it. Yeah. Like you had like one of the first uh, first episodes where the guy's like trying to like sit on <laughs> yes. that egg the whole time while the while the while the, while the you know ship is rocking yes. around and then you then all of a sudden like you know three four episodes later they're like dealing with like heavy yeah issues, it got heavy know? quick I I think if you had dubbed Star Trek audio over an episode of Orville and an episode of Discovery and asked me which one was really Star Trek I probably would have said Orville. Because it looks more like Next Generation than Discovery looks like anything. Yeah, Discovery, you were not pleased with the sort of aesthetic direction they took, right, Brian? Mostly just the ridiculous um, uh, Klingons. Like, I don't, I, I, I don't know. Like, I just don't understand why they're just going completely off the rails with Klingons. And I don't, I don't have the app, so they may have actually explained that by now. I, I don't know, but I don't know the the hallways, the lights, the outfits, everything in the Orville looks so much like Next Generation. Yeah, yeah, and I love it. <laughs> I yeah. eat that up. Um, that was. Well, and you know, I mean, people, people, like if you remember, I mean, there was an element of comedy in several of, well, certainly in, uh, original Star Trek. And then in next generation, as it went on, they tried to, they tried to incorporate some comedic elements as well. Yes. But I mean, obviously, obviously they weren't doing like, dick right, jokes, like but like, you know, they had little stupid things with data. And so you know, I, fe- I feel like, whereas next generation started off as very stodgy and like, you know, the humorless future man, and then got its, got its mirth later on. This show started off, <laughs> A little too mirthy, if that's a word. And then it's trying to like now get like like really serious, especially in the most recent episode I watched, the, the basic genocide one. Yeah. Um, I, I'm curious though, guys. Like the tidbits of comedy, I'd actually like to discuss the comedy elements. Like I, the fact the fact that the episodes look like they could have fit right into any Next Generation season. Um, is one thing like just really good concepts and, and, and ideas. Uh, but the comedy itself, like at first it was all, you know, just sex and divorce folks. Cause he had gotten divorced and all this. And even like a, a rather, uh, <laughs> suggestive scene at the very beginning uh, of the show, that yeah. they, with the, with the blue goo, blue like goo. that set yeah. the tone for me. Like, Oh boy, this is going to get like, this is going to be like a raunchy, like, you know, send up of Star Trek. Uh, was that your initial impression to you, Brian? I haven't seen the trailer. Remember? Hold on. I thought you had seen the pilot of the show. No, it, it's locked. I've seen every episode except that one. My power was out when it originally aired and I didn't get to DVR it because I didn't have any power. And it's I, I don't know why, but on the like Fox, you know, streaming, like you can watch every episode except the pilot. Wow, that actually gives you a unique and really good perspective, Brian, because you missed the absolute like worst of that kind of humor, which was all in the pilot. Do you, would you agree, Cam? Yeah, it was way more like slapsticky and like you know he like 
Can I spoil yeah. it for you, Brian? Or do you well, want to? Oh like, yeah, to see I it? mean, I'm I'm sure I picked up <laughs> everything that was important by now. Basically, the opening scene is he gets home in like a shuttlecraft and walks and walks in his bedroom and catches his wife in bed with a blue alien that then proceeds to like ejaculate out of its head like blue goo all over everything. And I was like, oh god, <laughs> when I saw that. Yeah, that's not a good yeah. sign. Yeah, but the show's taken like a like tonally just taken a complete uh, diversion from that. And it's got humor in it. And, and like they, they'll throw in like a quick one-liner, but it's not, they're not beating over the head with it all the time. Um, case in point, the, <laughs> the egg episode where basically the one alien, the, the, the Klingon like, oh, spoilers, standard, blah, blah, blah. The Klingon like race are all males for the most part. Well, I say for the most part. And then they give birth you know, by having eggs together. So they're not really gay. It's just that they're an all male species. Right. Although it's funny that because like yeah. now there's a matter of fact, quote unquote, gay character in the show. I thought that was kind of clever, but the egg hatches and the big dilemma is it's born female. <laughs> right. And do you guys remember how they convinced their crewmate not to undergo the traditional sex change operation of the baby? Yeah. The um, old uh, Rudolph, the red nosed reindeer <laughs> claymation thing. Right, yeah. What is it, Bass and something or whatever that, that group? Rankin Bass, right? I thought that was hilarious for starters. The fact that that's what they used to, like, you know, co- convince this warrior, this stoic warrior, like, oh, Rudolph will now save everything, and uh, and then he made a really funny comment uh, a- after the movie to the guys he's watching with, like. <laughs> If Rudolph had been euthanized as his father wished, he never would have saved. He never would have saved Christmas. And the guys were like, "Whoa! Yeah. Nobody said anything about that." Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, they were like, "Well, yeah, we don't think re- euthanasia wasn't really on the table." Right. But hey, all right, whatever, whatever gets you there. You know? Right, right. It wasn't even... like I find that kind of like humor like uh, refreshing, and and it doesn't. I wouldn't. Maybe it doesn't jive with a serious sci-fi show, but. You know, I found it amusing. There is definitely potential in their humor, but I loved the, you know, teaching pranks to Data episode. Oh, yes. Yeah, that was great. Ha! Ah, I cut off your arm. Ha ha ha. Oh, it was a leg, wasn't it? I, I cut off your limb. Yeah, yeah. That That's not funny, dude. <laughs> you weren't expecting it. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> To a purely logical yeah. being, like the, the parameter, he's going to teach this robot creature how to do practical jokes and he like lays out the parameters and the, t- how did the robot do wrong right. at all, right? He, he amputated his leg. What a prank. You weren't expecting that. That made me laugh. <laughs> Norm MacDonald hitting on the doctor every single episode did not. Oh, you don't like the Norm, the Norm MacDonald like uh, blob creature with the uh, suggestive Which appendage? Which I don't think they had last time did they no i think he's less in evidence one because he probably costs some money to render two because are you striking a hopeful tone that they're moving away from that kind of humor yeah i kind of wonder yeah me too me too i mean i think there i think there's room for a brand of humor and it doesn't have to be you know like vulgar or silly yeah i mean i i I think what it comes down to is that like and I actually do like this sort of aspect. Like, did you guys ever watch that Million Ways to Die in the West movie he made with Charlize Theron? No, was that good? 
It's okay. It's it's if you look at that, Orville sort of makes sense. I watched it, and I just was thinking about that right now. Um, because what I do like is that, and, and Tom, it actually triggered triggered in my brain about something you said. Where like Star Trek uh, Next Gen TNG started off as like the straight man, like you know, like very like stodgy. Um, it's this utopian society where everyone's just serious or whatever, you know, and this sort of like gets, this is sort of the opposite of that where it's like, Hey, everyone's just still kind of just regular dudes and dudettes, you know, or, yeah. you know, we're just regular guys and women that just happens to be their job that they're Starfleet officers or whatever, uh, feder- what is it? The union officers, you know what I'm saying? Like, which I also think is kind of funny that they keep calling the it union. Dude. Yeah. But, um, um, I, I, I like that element that like, it's like, Hey, you, you know, cause like when you think about like the old West, you sort of think about like, Oh, it was like everyone just like got up in the you know, crack of dawn and went to work and everyone was just like, you know, uh, um, Clint Eastwood. And, but really everyone, I think people were just pretty much normal, like how they are now, you know, obviously they had different probably views on the war world, but like, and that's sort of how million ways to die in the West was, it was just like a regular guy in the West, just sort of walking around and, you know, like, they just made fun of like, oh man, you got a scratch. Yeah, he's gonna be dead. It's dysentery. You know what I mean? Like, you scratch your leg. Oh, he'll be dead in three days. You know, like, just uh, I don't know. It's just like make bringing like sort of like a common or a, a a modern element of like how we are just in everyday life to just a, a different time period or situation. Yeah. Um, and I like that, but it's it seems like it's hard to like for them to fit that in. That's I'm glad you brought that up, Cam, because Brian and I really Brian motivated a lot of that discussion, but we talked about this too before, before the show, I likened them to kind of like cube jockeys in space or cube monkeys in space, you know, basically us projected into the future, just doing our job. Uh, Brian, you pointed out that like, even the way they handle combat is very like nine to five, like, Oh, we got to, we have a project. Let's tackle it. Right. They, right? they show up, blow up the ship and then just like peace, bitch, go back <laughs> to carry work. on. Yeah. And, I don't, I think you were asking an, an interesting question there. A, a good follow-up to, to Cam, what Cam was just presenting, uh, Brian, which was Cam saying it's kind of hard for them to fit that in, but weren't you wondering whether that was like a technique to kind of get the masses to watch? Maybe they were turned off by the stodgy future man Star Trek and they wanted something they could relate to? Not really, I don't know, technique to get them to watch sounds a little bit manipulative. I just think the the writers and the creators are less hopeful, less enthusiastic about the future. They're, they're probably totally right. We're not going to have this awesome star faring, like do gooding future. It's probably going to be like fucking clock in, you know, discover a supernova, you know, go to the bar after work. Ah, so you view it as a less hopeful appraisal of the future. We're not going to be this like egalitarian race of you know, knowledge seekers who don't care about material things necessarily. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Uh, interesting. Cam, what do you think? You think that you think you think that maybe the writers have a less rosy appraisal of the human race, and that's why we get this tone in the show. Yeah, I, I mean, I think. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that's exactly right. I mean, I think his whole, like, if you watch that movie, that, that million ways to die in the West, I mean, it makes sense because that movie was like a comedy though. You know what I'm saying? I think people really maybe aren't getting it. 
it's like it's like watered down now in this, you know. So it's like more sci-fi. That was like a western, but it really wasn't a western. It was a comedy movie. You know what I mean? Sort of set in the west. This is more like trying to bring that like I guess genre or whatever you want to call it that that sort of like tone to a a sci-fi an actual hard sci-fi series. And yeah, I think that's where they're getting it from. Is that like they don't think we're going to be that evolved? Like yeah, sure, maybe we've evolved to the point where we have faster than light travel and we we've all sort of banded together, I, I guess, just in terms of like, Hey, we're all in this together. Like, let's, you know, let's, let's make something greater, but people are still dicks. <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? People yeah. are still like, people still have like dicky personalities. People are still stupid. People still make dick jokes. People still hit on women, you know, like inappropriately, I guess, unfortunately, even people still have period. affairs, that kind you of thing. Know. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like just because we've reached like a higher level of consciousness in terms of like what's great, what's good for the planet doesn't necessarily mean we've done that for ourselves or our personal relationships, you know? Like, I mean the whole, like look at the whole premise. I mean, he's essentially stuck with his, um, he's stuck with, uh, his ex-wife. <laughs> yeah that cheated on him as his yes. first officer. I mean, that's like the whole basic <laughs> premise, you know, of the show. Wow. You guys, you've mentioned this in our offline conversations a few times, but I never really like put it together when you were talking about like it being hopeful versus Star Trek. I thought you, in a way I was thinking, Oh, it's more hopeful or, you know, or it's, but, but honestly it's not <laughs> like, it's just us like clocking in, clocking out in the future. Like nothing changes. It's still all the same crap. The human condition per se, is not going to get better? We're not going to be the sanguine race of, you know, like, as I was saying, like just the sanguine race of like just intellectuals, right? Yeah, exactly. It's like, you know, we, we evolved, but we haven't evolved that much. Like calm down, Roddenberry. You know? like, <laughs> was Roddenberry, Brian, you, you, maybe you answered this one. Was he just a pro, uh, a product of his time when we were like going to space and it really looked like we were like pushing this new boundless. Well, frontier. he was restoration area. Wasn't he like everything was enthusiastic after world war two. Oh yeah. And we were building instead of blowing things up. That alone would make yeah. it enthusiastic. Right. And even mm. next generation to some extent, that wasn't its own star Trek. That was kind of like more original series. So yeah. I don't yeah. think they changed as much in the 80s as they could have. So I, I don't think that necessarily reflects the 80s. I think too much groundwork had been laid. Right. TNG was kind of the overdue continuation of the original series, right? Because it, it was sort of cut, many feel uh, cut off prematurely, right? The original Star Trek. Yeah, and and in the '80s, you didn't just change everything about a series and call it a reboot, or you know, you stuck with something, <laughs> right? <laughs> right. There was a element of uh, loyalty to the source material, I guess. Yeah. So yeah, it carried with it that that hopeful idea about the future, and really, so many characters embodied that that hopeful vision. Whereas with the Orville, it's <laughs> just like. Uh, doesn't the pilot, the character that you despise, like readily admit his shortcomings, like regularly, mm, Brian? Yeah, but I don't. I don't know if that's philosophical. I think he's just self-flagellating. Like he's obviously the you know okay. the the punching bag of the series. Right, 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 right. Hmm. Anyway, the, the characters are certainly, even though they're not technically human, human and relatable to a person of today. 
And do you guys think that at the end of the day, that is going to be a benefit to the show or detriment? I mean, honestly, I don't think it's going to go uh, go well either way, but um, I don't think it's going to hurt yeah. the show. I mean, I don't think there's okay. much that could save it, but... Uh, okay, you... <laughs> Cam, you answer first, and then if we're going to go to that point, Brian, what, what do you think? Uh, do you view the sort of modern person projected into the future as uh, detrimental or beneficial to the show? Like I said, I, I like it. I think it's a good concept. Like, I, I like that it's... That, I think mean, that's cool. I mean, like, I, that's how I would sort of approach things, too. Like, you know, because we sort of, like, think... Like, just think about, like, thinking back in the day, you know, like, oh, you know, we, we sort of think of, like, the 50s or the 40s or even the 20s, whatever, as this time where everyone just walked around in those, like, Superman suits and with their Clark Kent hats <laughs> right. on. And it was just, like, this, like, crisp, clean time where everybody just did everything by the book. And, you know... And, yeah, to an extent, I think people were probably a little nicer and they did do things a little more by the book, but... There were still assholes. You know what I mean? There was still hookers. There was still drinking. There was still gambling. There was still prostitution. There was still, you know, all kinds. As a matter of fact, I mean, look at Prohibition and all the, you know, all the mob stuff that sort of came up after that. I think we are, as humans, are all in, you know, are all very fallible. So um, I like that they're sort of trying to breathe that, I guess, fallibility into even our future selves, you know? Um but I think they're having a tough time doing it. And it made sense, like I said, when that in that like old, old you know, old West movie he did. But I think they're having a tougher time doing it with this sci-fi thing where they they do want to have like a real drama and real like um uh like like a real storyline. You know what I mean? It's not just like, oh, slapstick comedy bullshit, you know. Um, but they're trying to shoehorn that concept in and they're trying to shoehorn the comedy in. No, I think, may, may, I mean, who knows? Maybe they'll, I'm, I'm hoping they find like the good, the right balance, the right mix. Me too. I hope so. And I, I also really like it. I'm not, I'm undecided as to whether or not it's helping or hurting the show. And that maybe as Brian said, it doesn't make a difference, which brings me to the final point to ponder the final question, uh, which is you think this show is going to make it? You think it gets renewed? You think it goes for a few years? Or you think this is a one and done? Fireflied. <laughs> That's what my companion said too, based on the network and everything. She's like, it's going to get fireflied. <laughs> um, what's what's their ratings doing? It Brian? dropped fifty percent after moving to Thursday nights. Yeah, but that th- that's the problem. Is that like that sucks because you don't necessarily like shows always drop when you move them to a different night, you know. And there's so many other things that go into it too. It's not necessarily like the how good the show is, but like what the lead-in show is, what the like the time slot, the night. I don't have any idea what the lead-in is. I actually do DVR it every week and just watch it at like 4 a.m. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, maybe, maybe uh, McFarlane has enough star power to sort of at least get a second season, and they can kind of fix things, or, or maybe you know. Just gar- you know, keep building a following. I mean, I hope so. Now that I'm invested already in the first freaking season, I, I they mean, need to just do a Family Guy season. crossover. <laughs> yeah, is Family Guy still making new episodes? I believe so. Is it like uh, like Simpsons where they're just going to keep beating that horse till it's? Just- I believe so, and maybe maybe uh, McFarlane uses that as a uh, bargaining chip. Like, listen, you want more Family Guy? You let me run with this. Um, you want your cash cow? You, you let me run with this indefinitely. 
That's my hope. Safe to say, though, I'm actually pretty staunchly with Brian. I think it is going to get fireflied unless McFarland can <laughs> apply such leverage. Safe to say, though, that uh, it'll be missed by people of our persuasion, I guess. I, I have Everybody I've spoken to who is kind of on our wavelength has enjoyed the show. Uh, they find the humor to be the weak point. You know, that that's a point of some debate, but the show itself is, is interesting to watch. So shame to see it go. I really do hope it succeeds. Um, well, what's funny to me is that like it came out like the same time as the new Star Trek, essentially, you know. And I don't know what the Star Trek ratings look like. I, Brian, you tried to research that, but like it's opaque. You cannot really tell because it is like just a offered via their streaming right. Like service, there's right? not, you know, I don't think there's any Nielsen's ratings on the app or anything. So, and I doubt they'll self-report unless the numbers are like just through the roof. So we we may not be able to do an apple. But I don't think it's apples there. to apples either because you want someone to tune in at a time and at a place to watch it. The, the CBS isn't even trying that. I mean, CBS does not want you to turn in tune in Tuesday night at nine p.m. You know what? You're right about that, Brian. And I have watched this show only on Hulu, and you've watched it on DVR. Maybe. I really wish streaming numbers or at least view numbers were or DVR numbers were, were somehow yeah. you know accessible to us. Then we could really do a comparison. Yeah, because I... Wow. I'm, I'm looking at this right now. Latest ratings data sorted, and this is like as of today, sorted by the 18 to 49 demographic. Um, Empire is Fox's best show at a 2.11 which which is about 6.3 million mm. viewers but it's on a serious downtrend it's like on a it dropped like 23% year to date um Simpsons is next and that's that's uh a 1.61 Star which I don't, I don't even know what that Jesus. is is number 3 at 1.56 uh, and then the Orville is 1.49 oh. it's 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 number 4 out of their like 15 top wow. shows that's good so it's in their top five of like it's it's actually Orville is, is number four and Family Guy is number five with one point two nine. Wow. It, yeah, it is. It is drawing. It is drawing close to five million viewers. Or Orville is, and Family Guy only draws about three million. Viewers. That's great. Wow, that's a that's yeah. a hopeful note. Then there's the gifted, ghosted, but it's doing way better than Bob's Burgers. Bob's Burgers is one point one point one nine. Lethal Weapon is Jesus. one point oh four. Gotham is point nine. Last man on Last Man on Earth is point eight eight. The Fox, Mick is seriously, we need to talk. I think the Mick was renewed. There last is some year. garbage in that list. <laughs> yeah, the Exorcist. <laughs> Brooklyn Nine Nine point six seven. The Exorcist point four four. I didn't even know half these shows existed, <laughs> which probably is why they're not near the top. Yeah, <laughs> Brian, you're appalled by the list. <laughs> so yeah, I mean. So, I mean, it looks like it's doing well in the ratings for it, at least. I mean, it's, if, if if you're in the top four, I mean, how can you... Be One kidding? hopes not, but they... I don't remember how Firefly's ratings were, but it's sci-fi, it's on Fox. Eh, here's hoping. I am, I'm optimistic, though, given those ratings. That's great. The slippage notwithstanding. 
And uh, I think that's a very positive note uh, with which to play us out of here, unless you guys have anything else to add, anything else you'd like to discuss on the topic of the Orville. No, I'm good. All right. I guess I will begin to beam us out of here, even though I don't think transporter technology figures on the show. Nevertheless, that seems apt. I'll do so by reminding our listeners that they could check our show out along with the Orbital every week. We, are, however, are featured on iTunes, Google Play Music, or any other podcast platform of your preference. We appreciate your likes and favorable reviews. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter and Instagram, add us to your Google circle, and join the Nerdstravaganza HQ group on Facebook. Take an away party on over to nerdstravaganza.com and check check out all of our back episodes and other great content. Fire up your dilithium crystals and shoot on over to YouTube. Type nerdstravaganza into the handy dandy search bar and check out all of our video content. And send us an email at nerdstravaganza at gmail.com and tell us what you think about the world. And with that, Ensign Brian set a course for next week and take us out of here. Hey, Doc, there's something wrong with my penis. It hurts and you need to look at it. (laughs) That's pretty much it.